Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking with Heather Haas. She's the president at Advisa. We're talking about creating healthy workspaces. Hi, Heather. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to have you on. I want you to tell us a little bit about your history with Advisa and what you do as a company. Thanks for having me, Neil. Um, I'm in the president role at Advisa, and we are in the business of building better leaders. So we uh, do leadership development programming. We provide talent optimization software, as well as strategic people consulting and executive coaching. So I've been with the company since 2004, and it's, um, it's really meaningful work that we get to do. Yeah, and, and you've been with them in several different roles and really moved up through the organization, correct? Yeah, I started out in a training and recruitment, individual contributor role, and then moved, um, moved along and was able to create some different programs and services within the organization and then um, work with a lot of our clients across all industries. And over time, the owner and founder, Bob Wilson, approached me about um, a transition plan. And um, that happened in 2011, 2012. Great. So you've seen a lot of changes during that time. I mean, we're still talking about nine or 10 years that you've been in this role. We're talking here in 2020. So we've all undergone a big shift towards more digital workplaces. So how has your business changed in the way you interact with clients? It's changed dramatically. Um, Most of our work pre-COVID was in-person training and facilitation. And so with uh, everything that's changed, we've migrated really everything virtually. So we've, you know, not only are we interacting with our clients in a new way and trying to deliver value in a new way, we're also figuring out how to stay engaged and connected as team virtually which is going well, but it's, it's certainly a huge shift. Yeah. And it's not even in the, the material you're giving to people. I want to get into a little bit of not just how you're delivering that material, but has the actual content changed? When you look at leadership, when you look at how to lead in the midst of a digital workplace, do you feel like there's been a, a bit of a shift in how we do that? You know, it's interesting. I think um, what makes a good leader effective hasn't changed. You know, you you have to care about people and um, create a vision and help people see their part in that vision. You have to give feedback and communicate and coach and develop. I mean, all of those things are the same. I think what's changed is when we're disconnected physically and we're trying to engage people virtually, it just amplifies, it raises the bar for all of those skills. We, we have to communicate even better and more frequently and more clearly. We have to display empathy uh, through our voice and through, through the content of our words because our nonverbals you know, aren't, aren't able to carry part of the message of how much we care. Uh, when we give feedback, we have to be even more um, more focused and intentional about what we're sharing. So yeah, I, I think a lot of it is the same. It's just really raised the bar for how highly skilled uh, managers really have to be at doing it. 
Yeah, and I think this is true. We see this pattern in a lot of what we talk about with the digital workplace. Mm -hmm. Once you shift there, all of your practices have to be better. You have to get better at communicating. You have to get better at leading. You have to get better about measuring productivity and your culture. Um, you have to put in more effort in those things. So it's consistent with all these things we're seeing. Let's talk to somebody who's in a leadership position who's struggling right now because all the things they used to do, the kind of the, the tactics and strategies to build this connection with people and then lead well, they can't do or it's, it's just not working as well. So what are you seeing? How are you advising some of your clients and even just in your own practice? What are some of these best practices you're seeing emerge? I think the first uh, piece of advice we've been giving a lot of our leaders is to, to really take this time to think and clarify what what are the priorities right now? I've I've been writing and talking a lot about that, but it it really is critical. There's so much information, good information and bad information out there right now that's creating a lot of noise for people. So I think one of the most important roles that leaders can play is to sift through all of the stuff um, and really help people focus on what is important for us right now. And then really repeat that refrain in clear terms, um, you know, what's important for the business, and then to be able to dial that in for an individual contributor so that they can clearly see what am I supposed to do every day alone in my basement? Um, and, and how do I know that I'm working on the right things in the right way? So it's the leader's role to provide that crystal clarity and then reinforce all of the evidence that they're seeing of people doing the things that are in fact aligned with the direction of the business. Oh, can you give an example? You said that there's, you see a lot of good and bad material out there. What is something you feel is, is a little bit toxic or just not the right time to focus on right now? Well, part of what I was referring to is that the general information about what we're supposed to be doing with COVID and getting back to work and, and what's safe and what's not, that information has been kind of unreliable. It's, it's shifted. It keeps shifting and changing. So I think that general health landscape of information has created a lot of anxiety for people. And then, of course, we're, we're working within that broader, uncertain context. In terms of um, maybe some of the things that I've seen float by that are kind of leadership or management related, you know, there, there is a lot going by, uh, around about, you know, staying connected and having fun and jumping on Zoom and making sure all of that is really important, but it's not enough. If, if people are still connecting as a team on Zoom, but everyone is still fearful about whether or not they're going to continue to have a job and uncertain about what the priorities of the organization and their team are, then all of the virtual cocktail hours and connecting on Zoom doesn't really solve the root issue, which is this. People need reassurance that their company is doing the right things to stay in business and that their role and their work is meaningful in pursuit of those ends. I mean, that's kind of the base base level of, of allaying people's fears. And, you know, we may not, we can't promise things that we don't know, but we, we can tell the truth about the things we're uncertain of and about the things we're trying to ensure that, you know, everybody is safe and their jobs are protected. Let's come back to the topic of this episode, which is, you know, creating a healthy digital workplace. When you think about 
the health of an organization? What are the, the main things that come to your mind? Well, first and foremost, I think on all of our minds is physical health. So all of the, you know, uh, social distancing and cleanliness protocols and new meeting etiquette and personal protective equipment back in the workplace, all of that is priority one. I mean, if employees don't feel physically safe returning uh, to work, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Um, after physical safety, I think we really need to focus on emotional health and safety. And that's really a, a function of um, are, are we connecting at a bit of a deeper level? It's kind of um, it's kind of ironic or, or counterintuitive that, you know, we actually need to go deeper now that we're further apart. But I think we do. We need to get beyond kind of the surface check in. Hey, man, how are things? Fine. Good. Good. You keeping up? Yeah. And we need to go a layer deeper and we need to say, how are you feeling about all this? How has it been, you know, being cooped up with your family? Tell me what you're afraid of. Tell me what you're hopeful about. So those kinds of deeper conversations, I think, are what help employees feel cared about. And it creates space for managers to display some empathy, for managers to really listen to what is on the hearts and minds of their employees and that's what people are going to remember coming out of this. They're not going to, you know, remember the Zoom uh, meetups. What they're going to remember is a leader who took the time to connect personally and provide um, reassurance. Heather, I got a question for you just to look into the future. Typically, when we think about a manager or a leader, um, the first thing we think about is they're responsible for an organization, they're responsible for a product, they're responsible for some project that's going on. So there's like this project management role that's there. But then now we're saying, okay, you also have to care for your people. You also have to kind of understand that. And that takes a, like you said, especially in a digital environment, it takes a lot deeper understanding of humanity. It takes a lot deeper understanding of being able to get underneath those surface level questions that are there. When you look into the future, do you feel like both these roles will continue to exist in the same person? Or do you feel like organizations may make a jump to have like, uh, mentors or coaches or, or people that are specifically looking after the emotional and mental health of some folks. And then you have other people who are more just strictly focusing on projects and, and processes that are there. It's an interesting question. As I look into the future, I think future leaders are going to need to possess both the technical functional competence at a high level, the IQ, if you will, to be effective in a leadership role and the connective or emotional competence. I think it's going to take both. Um, I tell people all the time, you, you can't outsource uh, caring. You can't outsource communication. The, that medium, that connection between someone's direct supervisor is, is arguably one, one of the most important um, variables in employee engagement and retention. That relationship between an individual and their direct supervisor is really critical. So in my crystal ball, what I see is more and more organizations starting to recognize this and starting to realize that if we don't create an opportunity for our highly intelligent, technically skilled individual contributors and those already in leadership, if we don't give them an opportunity to grow that other muscle, that caring, emotional, the connective muscle, 
it's going to be more difficult to build trust in a virtual work environment. Trust is multifaceted. If I'm going to trust someone, my leader, I need to have um, competence trust that I believe she knows her stuff. She's skilled. She has it. I also have to have character trust. I believe she's a good person. She tells the truth. She has my back. And then I also have to have what's called communication trust. That is, when she talks to me, I know that she's telling me what's truly on her mind. I know that she's speaking with good purpose, that even if she has to give me corrective or hard feedback, it's for my best interest. So though that kind of trust doesn't happen uh, just because you know, you're really a, a really highly skilled engineer. That level of trust is only built through between people acting as human beings and and having those real conversations. So this makes me wonder several questions about learning these skills because were, were you typically not taught this kind of stuff in, in education, um, in a university setting or in a primary school or secondary school? So I'm going to talk about three things, like where are they going to learn these things? Is it going to be in the future you know, agencies like yours are going to continue to come alongside at a later stage to try to kind of retrofit these skills back into things that are going to be there. When are they going to learn these things? Is this going to be something that, hey, just if you're going to enter the workforce, you need to learn this? Or once you get promoted to a certain level, now we'll start teaching you these things. So those are like two big questions I have about these topics. Well, you're right, first of all, that most uh, people do not enter the workforce well-equipped with emotional intelligence skills or, or even relational, social relational skills. I can tell you though, it is starting to come along. I mean, I, I have kids in elementary school, middle school and high school now. And in the elementary school curriculums, they are, they are starting to teach a version of emotional intelligence that the teachers are going through professional development to help kids who are frustrated name their feelings. And not, not just punish them for acting out, but take a moment and say, you look really upset. How are you feeling? Tell me more about that. And so that validating and acknowledging children's feelings is really where this all starts. Because if as a kid, your parents and your teachers taught you it was okay to feel angry or it was okay to feel afraid or whatever it is, and then they modeled how to name those feelings, express them constructively learn from what that information is telling you and then move on, that's the seat. But for those of us who maybe didn't get that education, um, I do think some business schools are starting to move and because there's just a ton of research out there. That's what's pushing it. I mean, the, the research shows in many cases, emotional intelligence is, is a larger determinant of success and even earning power than IQ. Um, but also the school of, of life teaches us we, we work with a lot of really seasoned, experienced managers who, by the time they meet us, they, they're coming to us saying, I have to get better at this because I've suffered the consequences of losing key employees or not being able to innovate and drive change because I can't inspire commitment and, and I can't get people on board. So sometimes the, the very real business challenges that leaders face create that learning opportunity and people, yeah, and people will come to firms like Advisa or other institutions that can help them kind of learn and then practice how to engage and communicate differently. Yeah. 
I agree. I really appreciate and love what you're doing, but I, I wish that it wouldn't have to happen so late in the game for so many people, right? When they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s even, to really figure out these skills, it'd be better if we can build them in sooner. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, last question is just about, in, we were talking about building a healthy digital workplace. What's the role of clarity when it comes to building that health? I feel, you, you talked a little bit about communication skills needing to be there, but what's your take on that? I think clarity is one of the most uh, underrated uh, ideas uh, around. Um, and here's why. When, when we have clarity about what we're supposed to be doing and why and by when and how well, um, it increases our motivation. It, it, it Clarity alone kind of removes barriers and helps us move forward with confidence. And it's very hard to reach clarity um, in the workplace in a, in a vacuum um, because our work, what we're doing is so interconnected. It affects other people's work and it's part of a larger whole. That's why the leader, the manager's role in really crystallizing, these are the priorities. These are why these are the priorities. And here's how it impacts you. And here's how I can help you. And here's what you bring. That level of communicating is is really transformational in terms of of people um, feeling engaged and confident to, to get after it. A lot of times we assume we, we put out some broad communication and then we just assume that our employees can connect the dots. And when we're in a physical office, we usually cobble it together because we can have the meetings after the meeting. You know, we all go to lunch and we can we can pop into someone. Hey, did you did he say this? Is that what you think? Though that kind of informal clarifying that happens after the meeting isn't as easy to do in a virtual work environment. So, so that's why I think um, where managers can just assume that they're going to have to clarify, re-clarify, and then even check in one-on-one with people to say, hey, tell me what you took from that meeting. Is there anything still um, not clear for you that I could um, go over again? And then the last point on clarity that I think is really important is that it's not just manager to employee. It's very important for any leader in addressing the the whole team during this time to say, clarity is king. The clearer we all are about what we're doing and why, the more effective we're going to be. But here's the thing, guys. We can't think of everything to tell you. We're going to forget. And so the onus is on you as an individual employee to ask questions. You're invited. Every question is is so important, and it's your responsibility to never log off of a Zoom meeting or or end a call with anyone if you still have lingering doubts, fears, or questions. You have to ask them. And if, if you're pushing us by asking clarifying questions and we're trying our best to over-communicate, that's when we will continue that level of productivity that we enjoyed uh, before the virtual environment. Yeah, awesome points, Heather. I love what you're talking about here. It's really good. I think it's especially important to note that some people take longer to process things. And so you're having a live Zoom meeting. You say, hey, we're we're doing something new. This is what's happening. But 
somebody may be thinking about it and not have a chance right there in the moment to to say something, which is why, to your point, you say, okay, you need to follow up with people. You need to go back to them or provide an opportunity, some kind of forum or some kind of asynchronous setup where people can go and post questions afterwards, even a day or two days or a week later when they said, actually, I was thinking about this. and I didn't get this question answered. It's a real best practice. The pre and the post uh, bookends to the live communication are, are really critical. Yeah. And to your point, again, we got to get better at communication. These are just good things to do. And if you're in a digital world, you have to be much better at it than you were in the physical world because you don't have those side conversations you can just have in the digital world. Yeah. And I think one last thing related to that improving communication uh, virtually, there are tons of great tools out there for um, really measuring and understanding how how people behave, how people are motivated. Um, We use the Predictive Index is um, the talent optimization platform that we use. But I highly encourage any organization that doesn't have that kind of individual data about how different people communicate and process information. If you don't, if you didn't have it before, get it now, because um, it will really help you tailor your approach and be mindful of things like, wow, half my team needs a lot of soak time. They're probably going to be really quiet on this Zoom meeting, and their ideas aren't going to percolate until the next day. I have other team members that process things verbally. And I've got to really manage their participation. I mean, that just takes your ability to facilitate a meeting to a whole different level when you're informed by those kinds of insights. I'm always amazed now thinking of people who are really hidden out of the park as a digital leader have to be so skilled in so many different areas and, and have this kind of knowledge and have have the exposure to many different ideas. So this is fantastic. Heather, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you and your work? Thank you for having me, Neil. Um, you can visit us at www.advisausa.com. So we we live there online and our whole team, anyone on our team would love to continue the conversation with your listeners. Good. Well, I'm energized by this. I, I think we, we've all kind of looked at a really deep look at what it means to have a healthy digital workplace. And I really appreciate your thoughts and insights. Thank you. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you find it. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.